Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Welcome to another session of Teaching Through the Bible. I am Dr. Ken Sullivan. In this session, I'll be teaching from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So let's begin. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible, so follow along with whatever version you might have. And of course, the, the verses of Scripture will be posted on your screen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and I'm reading from the International Version again. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word, uh, word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So, Paul wrote this letter to correct false teaching about the coming of the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, um, and, the, and or the day of the Lord. False teachers had entered into the church and troubled the Thessalonian saints by teaching that the day of the Lord had already come. And obviously, if the day of the Lord had already come, then they had been left behind. That's a troubling prospect. So Paul wanted to correct that. Now, the day of the Lord is a period in time that includes several prophetic events. First of all, opening the day of the Lord is the return of Christ. Christ comes to gather his saints, and the rapture will happen in a flash. The Bible says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, Christ will come. The trumpet, of course, will sound. Christ will, will arrive, and he will gather his saints. First, the dead who are in Christ, those who have died in Christ, will rise first. They will rise from their graves. Of course, when Jesus comes back, he brings the spirits of the departed saints with him. And those spirits uh, go before him and re-inhabit their glorified bodies. Christ will uh, regather the parts of their body, the molecules or uh, the particles of their body, recreate them and glorify them. And of course, the spirit will of the saints, of each saint will re-enter its own body and they will rise from the ground. And then, of course, in a same flash of time, those who are living will be transformed, will be chained in a moment in the twinkling of an eye from mortal to immortal. And then they too will rise and join with Christ <clears throat> and the resurrected saints from the grave. Then immediately the seven-year tribulation period, uh, when God's wrath would be poured out upon the earth, will begin. It will be poured out, poured out upon unbelievers. Now, secondly, the second uh, part of the event that's called the Day of the Lord is uh, the salvation for the nation Israel. I'm not giving these to you in chronological order. 
in just the order that they're going to happen. But um, just sharing with you the events that are tied or, or encompassed in the, the day of the Lord. Uh, Israel, of course, will be saved in the, in the day of the Lord during that time, near the end of the tribulation period. Uh, and then, of course, Satan will be imprisoned and the uh, destruction of the Antichrist is included in that day of the Lord. Of course, uh, that's down toward the end of what is referred to as the day of the Lord, which is like uh, after the thousand-year reign of Christ upon the earth. Christ will uh, come back after taking the saints. Uh, uh, most scholars believe that the saints will be taken away with Christ for a seven-year period, uh, and they will be... Uh, be involved in the marriage supper of the Lamb during the tribulation period. Uh, and then at the end of that period, they will come back to, to, to destroy the wicked and to uh, establish the millennial kingdom of God, which will run for a thousand years. And then, of course, we will have the new heavens and the new earth that will unfold after Satan uh, has been destroyed uh, and everything has been brought to uh, summation. So we have the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth with his saints included in that uh, day of the Lord. Now, the rapture of the church could happen at any time, but the tribulation period will not begin until certain things take place. The Bible says that there are certain things that has to happen before the tribulation period begins. And here's some of those things. First of all, there will be a great rebellion or a falling away. Uh, people will turn from Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And then the, uh, the Bible also says that during that time, the time of the tribulation, that the man of lawlessness must be revealed. That is the Antichrist. In verse three, Paul mentions that. Verse four says, the Antichrist will sit in God's temple and proclaim that he is God. So the Jewish temple must be rebuilt uh, and has been destroyed for 2,000 years. The Jewish, the, uh, Jewish temple must be rebuilt in Jerusalem before Antichrist can enter it and violate it. Uh, the last temple was destroyed in 70 AD after the Jews were dispersed into all the world. In 1948, miraculously, after being scattered among the nations for nearly 2,000 years, the Jews returned and established Israel as their, as their nation again. 2,600 years ago, God promised that that would happen and by the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 11 through 14. And, um, and I'm quoting that. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. So uh, at this time, Israel is now 
in the land, waiting for the opportunity to rebuild the temple. So just like God used Ezekiel to prophesy, um, and many have preached on this uh, this idea, this illustration of the the dry bones in the valley and, and the bones coming together, bone to its bone. Uh, and m- many ministers have preached that and really excited the people. But the meaning behind that is that those bones represent Israel, the nation Israel that was dispersed throughout all the world in 70 AD. Uh, they had been dispersed into all the nations of the world. Uh, but God said that they were going to come together again. Those bones coming together, bone to his bone, represent the, the nation of Israel. And in Ezekiel's prophecy, um, Ezekiel spoke to those bones. God breathed life back into them. And those bones took on sinew and flesh, and they stood up a mighty army alive and well. And that typified or illustrated with an illustration of Israel coming together. And we've seen that miraculous event take place uh, in 1948, just four years before my own birth. And uh, then, of course, we saw in 1967, they had the Six-Day War, where Israel took more back more of the land. Uh, and now, just in recent days, uh, uh, President Trump has declared that the U.S. Embassy will be located in Jerusalem. And uh, it's, it's uh, creating a stir. Um, but I believe that it's moving us closer to the fulfillment of prophecy. Now, the temple has to be rebuilt, uh, and that is being blocked now because there is a Muslim temple there called the Dome of the Rock Mosque, and uh, the, the Jews and the, and the nation Islam, the Islamic people are not, uh, they are at odds, and so there is a, an impasse. Now they can't get it built, but somehow the temple will be rebuilt and at some future time during the tribulation period, the Antichrist will enter, the man of sin or the man of lawlessness will enter that temple and proclaim himself to be God and demand that he be worshipped. Uh, of course, most scholars believe that the church will have been taken out of the world at that time during the tribulation period. Now, I'm reading verses 5 through 8. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed in the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. Something is preventing the Antichrist or the man of lawlessness from being revealed at this time. Lawlessness, the Bible says, is at work already. It is working in the world secretly, behind the scene, but is being prevented from coming out into full view. Something, the Bible says, Paul says here, is holding him back. Now, when the Antichrist comes, the man of lawlessness who will who will typify lawlessness or actually will, will lead unrestrained evil and lawlessness in the world. When he comes, he will take over the world and the world will fall into darkness. Now, the Bible indicates that something is holding him back. There is an influence. There is a power that is holding the, the uh, evil one 
back and preventing him from taking over the world at this time. I believe that that's something, and the Bible doesn't say emphatically, but I believe that that's something is, is the Holy Spirit working in the church that Jesus said, of course, that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And uh, our light, of course, comes from God. God is working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But he's working in us through the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that the, that the church's restraint, the Holy Spirit working in the church, is what is restraining him today and lighting the world. Of course, when the Antichrist comes, then the whole world will fall into darkness. When the, when the church is removed, the church, the Holy Spirit-filled church, when it is removed, then the world falls in darkness and the Antichrist has the freedom to work his will in the world at that time. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. When the light is removed, the world falls into darkness and the Antichrist, and in the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the beast. Uh, he will be free to work. Now, that will be a terrible time. And you really don't want to be here during that time. Jesus said, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, after the restraint is removed, Antichrist will reign for seven years as the last world ruler. He will consolidate power and he will rule the world for the last part of, of human history before Christ comes back to take over and establish his own kingdom that will last forever. Antichrist will cause the final war and bring God's wrath down on the world. Christ will overthrow Antichrist at the end of the tribulation period, the Bible says with the breath of his mouth. Christ will destroy Antichrist with the brightness of his coming, the Bible says. He will overthrow him with the breath of his mouth. He will uh, destroy him with the brightness or the splendor of his coming. Christ will reduce him to nothing, re render him to powerlessness. But, the, uh, but according to the scripture, he will not kill him at this time because Revelation 19.20 says, that the Antichrist or the beast will be cast alive into the lake of fire. Now, immediately after the tribulation period, Christ will establish his righteous kingdom upon this earth for a thousand years. Okay? Immediately after the tribulation period, Christ will establish the millennial kingdom upon, a kingdom upon the earth and it will operate for a thousand years. And then at the end of that, God will create new heavens and a new earth. During the millennial period, Christ and the saints will rule the earth and the earth will be uh, near perfect. Death will be rare, although not completely uh, done away with during the tribulation period. Uh, it will be very rare and it will be a, a, a near perfect time in history. Uh, the absolutely perfect time in history will come when God creates new heavens and the new earth at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ upon this pre present earth. He will clean up the earth. He will judge the wicked. The, uh, Satan will be uh, put into a bottomless pit and held there for a thousand years. And there will be peace and prosperity upon the earth during the reign of the Prince of Peace. 
Now at the end of a thousand years, again, God will create new heavens and a new earth and will rule over them forever. And we will rule and reign with him forever and forever. Now I'm reading verses nine through 12. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. And all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. Here's some important facts about the Antichrist or the beast, as the book of Revelation called him. John called it in the book of Revelation, the beast. First of all, he will come in the way Satan works. Satan, of course, is a deceiver. Because he will be possessed by Satan, he will work like Satan works. Now, how does Satan work? Well, the Bible says that the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's how the King James puts it in John 10, 9, and 10. Satan steals, he kills, he destroys. Uh, he is a murderer. He is a liar and the father of lies, the Bible says. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. He is a liar and the father of it. And then he is, of course, he's a liar. He's a murderer. And uh, the Bible says that he's a thief. But it also says that he is the great deceiver. The great deceiver. Verse 9 says, he will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie. So the lie is that he is God and to be worshipped. And so he will work many miracles and perform many great supernatural signs to deceive the masses. Satan has the power to do miracles. Um, in the book of Exodus, chapter 7 and 8, when Moses was performing miracles to prove that God had sent him, Pharaoh's magicians duplicated the first three of those miracles. And then, of course, uh, uh, they couldn't do any more. They didn't have the power to do any more. Satan can mimic God. He can do certain miracles, but his power is limited whereas God's power is unlimited. In Job chapter one, Satan caused fire to fall from the sky and brought powerful destructive winds that blew down Job's sons and daughters, the house they, that they were in and, and took their lives. Revelation chapter 13, verses 13 and 14 say, and it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people because of the signs. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth, the Bible says. And so those who refuse to accept Christ, those refuse to submit to the will of Christ, will submit to the will of Antichrist, and they will believe his counterfeit miracle. Unbelievers will believe Antichrist, but refuse to believe Christ. God will allow Satan and Antichrist to send unbelievers strong delusion to believe the lie and to be condemned, those who refuse to believe the truth. Now I'm reading verses 13 and uh, 13 through 15. But well, we, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, 
because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. The uh, Thessalonians were among the first people God chose to be saved. They have the distinction of being among God's first. We are saved, the Bible says, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. We are called into the kingdom through the gospel. We hear the gospel message, even at, uh, either in its entirety or down through the years in bits and pieces. And then there comes a day when our heart believes. We hear, we believe, we obey, and we're saved. The Holy Spirit marries us to Christ. He sets us apart. He sanctifies us. The Holy Spirit progressively cleanses us from sin. That is, he sanctifies us. That's what sanctify means. Verse 14 says, we will share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we'll be like him in character and in nature and in makeup. First John 3 and 2 says, but we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him, but we will see him as he is. So we will be like him in body. Philippians 3, 21 says this, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. So our bodies will be like his glorified bodies. Our vile bodies or our dying bodies, our mortal bodies will be made immortal like his body. We will also rule and reign with Christ. We will rule and reign with him first uh, during the millennial kingdom, a thousand year reign of Christ upon this present earth. And then at the end of that time, we will reign with him in the new heaven and the new earth. First Corinthians chapter six, verses two and three says, don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? In Matthew chapter 25 and 23, Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. You, uh, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. That is uh, Matthew 25, 23, the King James Version. With all of this in view, let's be faithful. Let's hold to the teachings of scripture as we wait for the promise to be fulfilled. We're looking to and we're hastening to the coming of the day of the Lord, and we're waiting for him to come and transform us, make us like himself. Verses 16 through 17, I'm reading now. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts, and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Paul's closing prayer for the Thessalonian saints is for encouragement and strength to do good. So that completes our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Next time we'll cover chapter 3. Uh, my friends, I just want to say to you that uh, 
there is a, a lot of good or bad news that's being disseminated into the world today. There's good news, of course, and then there's bad news. And it seems that bad news travels much more quickly than good news. I want to encourage you to help me to spread this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God uh, to many, many more people. If each one of my friends would take the time to just share this video with someone else, uh, then you will be doing your part to help to spread the gospel. Jesus said, go into the, all the world and teach all nations. And so that's what we're trying to do here. And so uh, I pray that you will pitch in and help us to get the word, good word of God out to many people who, who may not otherwise hear the full gospel message. So, until next time, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast. Trust you've enjoyed this teaching. I want you to know that my book, Teach Me About Heaven, it's available on Amazon.com or you can get it at www.emergecurriculum.com.